Welcome to Pathway to Faith Podcast, the media ministry of Harvest Church International Outreach, where we elevate and nurture families through the Word of God. We are so glad that you are here and believe that God will change your life through today's message. Let's listen. I'm going to uh, minister, I'm going to try again, to minister on something that Jesus talked about all the time. And that we as ministers, we speak about very little of the time or not at all. As a matter of fact, Jesus never preached about the church. And Jesus never preached about Christianity. Oh, Jesus. But most of the time when he spoke, he spoke and taught about the kingdom. And because this is a kingdom book, we as Americans in the Western Hemisphere, I believe it has... It has played into the carnality that is in the church in America or the Western Hemisphere because we have tried to exegese a text or understand scripture with a westernized mind. And when we read the Bible, we read it with a democracy mindset. And so as Christians, come on, help me, Holy Ghost, we get in trouble because when God says something, we think with our democratic mindset that we have a right to vote. And so we struggle many times Uh, in spiritual growth because we have this democratic mindset. Are you all listening to me? Where the word of God from Genesis to Revelation does not even make reference to a democracy. As a matter of fact, the reason we have such a challenge, oh, I hope you can handle this, But the reason we have such a challenge in this nation is because of a democracy. Because a democracy breeds corruption. And so it's difficult sometimes when we read the word to truly get the biblical meaning of what we're reading because we have this democratic, uh, some occasions, republic mindset. And if you are born again, you are not in a democracy and you are not in a republic. Help me, Holy Ghost. Anybody say? If you're born again, you are in a kingdom. And a kingdom is superior to a democracy 
or a republic if you got a good king. Good God of mercy. If you have a good king. Are you all listening to me? Let me play a little bit. The title of the message is The Kingdom is the King. The Kingdom is the King. Help me now. Say it. The Kingdom is the King. I can't. Look at somebody and say, Are you listening? We're in a kingdom. And the kingdom is the king. In a democracy, you can worry. Why? Because in a democracy, you don't know how things are going to turn out. Preach, boy, preach. In a republic, you can worry. Because you don't know how things are going to work out. But if you're in a kingdom, to know how things are going to turn out in a kingdom, all you have to do is look at the king. And however the king is, that's how you're going to turn out. God of mercy. I don't know who your king is. Now let's, 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 nugget number one. Let me state a nugget man in 2024. Ready? Read. You, you, you didn't read that right. Read it again. When you become born again, God makes a covenant with you. And you don't understand the magnitude of that covenant if you don't understand a kingdom. What he is saying, when you become born again, you come into his kingdom. And in his kingdom, you don't have to worry. Why? Because I got your back as your king. Nugget number two. Maybe this will make you feel better. A king must have territory. Good God of mercy. Nugget number three. Here here we go. Ooh, Jesus. Read. Nobody want a poor king. If my life is tied up with the king, I don't want a poor king. Because I know in a kingdom... Whatever the king has, good God of mercy, you're getting ahead of me now. A king must be, come on, and a king must be, nobody wants a weak, a weak king. And a king must be, yeah, not flippy floppy, not double-minded, because a king knows whatever he says becomes law. I'm getting excited now because my king has said some things about me. Good God of mercy. Nugget number one now. Nugget Yeah, they, ooh, they're hot. Nugget number four, please. You see, you don't get excited over that. Why? Because 
You don't live in a kingdom in America. You live in a democracy. And you're waiting on the leader of the democracy to make a decision so that you'll know how 2024 is going to be, whether you should invest or pull back. But if you live in a kingdom, you already know what to do. Good God of mercy. Oh, boy. Nugget number what now? Nugget number five. All kingdoms. You walking around here like you can't put the devil on the run. The devil's tearing up your house and you sitting over in the corner crying with all this delegated authority that the king has delegated to you. And the king of the kingdom that you're a part of, he said, whatever you bind on earth, I'll bind it in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth, I'll loose it in the heavens. And the king said, in the kingdom, that the devil is under your feet. That means you have power to kick the devil off of your son, your daughter, and your grandbabies, and your marriage, and your family. In a democracy, you're waiting. In a kingdom, you bust a move. That's a little old now. I don't know the new saying. But y'all know what I'm trying to say. So you young folk, back up off of me. I'm doing my best. Enlighten me. All kingdoms have delegated authority. Why? Because the king can't be of you everywhere. Because the king is sitting on his throne. But he can't delegate his authority to you. That wherever you go, you just show the ring. Good God of mercy. And they have to treat you just like the king was present. He'll get it in a moment. Nugget number six, please. Nugget number six. This is powerful. Ready? Read. Oh, Jesus. If you're in, it's because he chose you. A king chooses his own citizens. So if you're in his kingdom, it's because he chose you. Let's, let's just wrap it up. Nugget number seven will be done. Nugget number seven. Ready? Read. must experience it. Now let's, let's, let's get busy. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. To our e-church, thank you for tuning in. To all of our partners from our e-church all around the world, thank you for your continued prayer. Thank you for your continued financial support of the ministry. And uh, I pray that you'll step it up in 2024 and God will step it up in his manifestation in and through your life. Can somebody agree with that? Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It's been such a very confusing passage of scripture over the years. 
but hopefully we can bring some kind of clarity for you. Look at verse 17. It, it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing that their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are what? Yeah, we're ambassadors. We, we're, we are, as believers, we are representatives of our king. We are representatives uh, of, of the country that we come from. We are representatives of the government that is responsible for our well-being. We are ambassadors of Christ. Yes? yes. We are ambassadors of Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. I'll just read this last verse. For he had made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Why? That we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now, I, I don't want to be long on this because I want to take you somewhere else, but in an elementary comment, uh, it talked about reconciliation, yes? That we've been reconciled. Well, reconciliation and salvation are not the same thing. Reconciliation and salvation, they are not, what? Talk to me. They're, they're not the same thing. Um, salvation but this is powerful. I think I told uh, the people Saturday in prayer that I was listening to a minister that I listened to uh, quite often, Brother Jeremiah, and he said a powerful thing. Uh, he said that, uh, he said, if, if you're following Jesus, he said, then you are a soul winner. He said, but you're not a soul winner if you're not following Jesus. He said the only people who are soul winners are following Jesus. So to be a soul winner, you have to follow Jesus. Because following him automatically makes you a soul winner. Because you're following him. Well, he made another comment, and I thought this was powerful. Uh, he, said, he said, you can be saved, but not transformed. So that explains how in the church you have so many carnal believers because they are saved and Paul said they were saved even to the church at Corinth. But the reason that they were living and acting the way they were acting, they're, they're saved but they still cuss. You know, they're saved but they still get high. They're saved but they still fornicate. All right, don't, 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 I'll get on it. They're, they're saved, but they still lie. 
Are you listening to me? And you can't say they're not saved. So you see, they are saved because to be saved, all you have to do is receive Jesus. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord, yeah, but, but, but they're saved, but they're not transformed. And so when you look at their lives, they don't live any different than a sinner. The only difference between them and a sinner is that they're saved. The sinner sins because they're a sinner. They sin because they haven't been transformed in their minds. Are you listening to me? So once you become born again, a child of God, you, you have to experience a transformation. That's why the Bible says renewing your mind with the word of God. But to renew your mind, you have to come to church faithfully. You have to take notes. You have to study what I've taught you. You have to open your Bible. And study to show yourself approved. A workman that need him not to be ashamed so that you can rightfully divide the word of truth. So that when somebody stands in the pulpit or who you watch on television and preach to you false doctrine, you'll know the difference. Can, can somebody say amen to this truth? So reconciliation is different then salvation. Salvation just means that you're saved. Reconciliation means you have relationship with God. And you can be saved and not have relationship. Don't mess with me now. Because you can be married and not have, come on, speak to me. You can be married sleeping in separate beds or different rooms, or in the same bed, but not speaking. So you can be married and not have relationship, just like you can be saved and have no relationship with Jesus at all. Because it's difficult to have relationship with somebody you don't talk to. And you can be married and don't talk to one another. You talk at. Is this helping anybody at all? Now, let's, let's, let's go a little deeper. Let's go to the first synoptic gospel, chapter number six. Familiar passage of scripture. Most of you, if I said the chapter and verse, you could just rattle it off real quick. But let's, let's, let's delve into it today and hopefully get better and deeper meaning revelation are you in Matthew chapter 6 let's read uh, this this strange this strange verse ready look on the screen ready read stop right there how many of you are don't raise your hand how many of you are doing that? Because that's the only way to have relationship with the king. Is that he has to be first. Ready? Read. But seek ye. So. 
So notice the Lord Jesus, he makes a covenant with his followers. That was your first nugget. He says, if you will put God's interest first in your life, he says, I will guarantee your future. There are folk who are listening to me all around the world. You're worried. Your palms are sweaty. You can't sleep at night because you don't know how things are going to turn out and things are bad. And it's because you have yet to put God first in your life. And if God made you a promise, if you put him first, then you're in deception to think that you're going to get it and God is second or third. Or fourth, or at the bottom of the list. Who, Jesus? So God says, if you make me first, He says, I guarantee you that your life's gonna be all right. That means when you get up in the morning, the first thing you do is not look on your iPhone to see what who called you. Or to look at your horoscope. Because now you're playing with witchcraft. Or turn on the television to listen to what the news have to say. Matter of fact, you can't walk in victory constantly watching news because all news is negative. Did you hear what I said? All news is negative. Why? Because people don't want to hear about something good. Good news don't sell. They'll only bring the cameras when there's been a shooting or a robbery or domestic violence. Oh, Jesus. Nobody will bring the cameras because you said you made 100 on the test. The news media would go out of business if they majored on good news. It's something about our lower nature that we love hearing bad stuff happening to people, as long as it's not us. So most of the news that you watch, it's all negative. All what's happening here, somebody shot here, a bomb went off here, uh, this went down, somebody lost this. And people sit there glued like they can't move and then wonder why they don't have any joy. So it's important that you start your day with God. Not your husband, not your wife. The first thing you do when you get up is not brush your teeth. Though you need to brush them. (laughs) And floss on occasions. (laughs) But the first thing, you're laughing, but what is the first thing you do when, when you wake up and realize you have experienced another miracle by waking up? And I want you to know it wasn't your alarm clock that waked you up this morning. The alarm clock went off in a lot of people's homes last night or this morning. And they didn't hear it. 
for the mere fact that God has allowed us to see another day. That alone is worthy of us giving him praise and glory and honor. So how do you start your day? You start your day with, with whoever is first. And then some of you, when you pray, you waste a whole lot of time praying for God to bless you. I haven't prayed in so many years for God to bless me. I can't even think of how long it's been. I haven't had that in my prayer and so, Lord, bless. I haven't had that kind of prayer in so long because really it's a foolish prayer. God bless me. No, not God bless me. God make me a blessing. I pray, God, make me a blessing. God, put me in a position where I can be your hands extended to show the goodness of the God that I serve to somebody else. And so if the blessing is flowing through you, then it's going to bless you while it's flowing. Is this blessing anybody at all? And so Matthew 6, it talks about God's covenant to meet all of our needs. We don't have time, but in verse 34, that's God's social security plan for the believer. The next verse. Are you all with me now? Now again, at verse number 33, Jesus Christ, he urges listeners to seek salvation. Look what he says. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Boy, this is powerful. So he says, when you receive salvation, with it would come the full care and provision of God. What he is saying that when you receive me, you receive everything you need to be successful in this life. And then he says, I guarantee it. Now let's go to Romans 8. Romans 8. Is this all right? Ro Romans 8. And let's look at verse number 32. The kingdom is the king. Romans chapter 8. Look at verse 32. This, this, this really ministers to me. He who did not spare. Let, let me go back to the song this morning. Who am I to doubt? Who, who am I to doubt God? If he said it, won't he bring it to pass? He said, when I am in trouble, I didn't say it, he said it. And I've been in a lot of trouble in my life's journey. But he said, when you're in trouble, if you call on me, no, I don't, I don't deserve him answering me, 
but I'm in covenant with him, so he has to answer me. And he will. What verse did I tell you to, to turn to? 32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us Is any of my any of my sons here? Is there, is there any of my any of my sons in the room? If I got one, would you come? Would you come up quickly? Yeah, that's my fourth baby. Yeah, would, would you come on up here? Would you, would you all look at my son? Would you face the congregation? Now, I got five of them. Here's another one. Man, you came up them steps like you were an old man. You all right? <laughs> it must be them heavy shoes. They look heavy. I got five. Which one of them would I be willing to sacrifice on an altar? Which one of my sons am I willing to kill so that you could live? Especially for some of you who, who live and you don't even live right. My son's going to die for somebody who's not even going to serve God. But I got five. And for you to live, I got to sacrifice one of my sons. You getting the picture? Because for us to live this life of blessing, somebody got to die. Because the wages of sin, somebody got to die. Blood's got to be shed. And so for you to live, I got to pick one of my babies. And I got to lay them on an altar. And I have to take a knife and stick them in the chest and let the blood run on the, on the altar. So that God could look down from his holy habitation and see one of their bloods flowing. So that you could be the scapegoat. Now, I'm going to just be real honest with you. If I had to, come on, help me, Holy Ghost. If I had to choose one of my babies, you, you better have good insurance. Thank you, sons. Give my sons a great big God bless you. And I want to thank God that my wife and I we lived in such a way that was an example that they feel the importance of being the house of God because at that age, as you can see, you can't make them come. Are you, are you all getting the, getting the picture now? But, but this is awesome. So in Genesis 22, we don't have time to go there. 
God had promised this man a son, Abram. And you all know the story. Uh, it didn't happen in a certain amount of time. Uh, Abram's wife said, why don't you go into my handmaiden? And he obliged her uh, happily. And, and, uh, and, and uh, the world is paying for that sin to this day. Because out of Ishmael, you got the Arab world. And the Arabs claim Abraham as their father, just like Ishmael's kids, the, the Hebrews, the Israelites, they claim Abraham as their father. So there's been a fight. And so God promised Abram that he was going to bless him and give him a son. And he did it in the flesh, like we've done things in the flesh, and he got an Ishmael. But then the promised child came. And this is what got me in Genesis 22. When God came to Abram, he said, take your only son. Which just simply means God only acknowledges, talk to me, girl. So you can do a whole lot of things God's not in. So God tells Abram, he says, take your son to a place that I will show you and offer him up as a sacrifice. Abram takes his son. He's walking. He don't even know where he's going. He's just taking a, every step of faith that every move he makes that God is orchestrating it. And I don't know how long it was, but I imagine several days. And finally, he see a mountain. And he have a witness in his heart that that is where God is telling him to take his son and offer him up as a sacrifice. You all know the story. They go up the side of the mountain, and his son says to his daddy, Daddy, the, the altar's been made. The wood is ready. The fire is burning. But daddy... Where's the sacrifice? And then Abram starts tying up. Is Jonathan still close? Or the rail? It don't make no difference. Where's the rail at? Come here, son, quickly. Quickly, son. Like you're playing basketball. No, you got to get this picture because those movies you watch are a little distorted, like it's some little bitty boy. Uh, where's the, they're in children's church? Okay. When Abram went to Isaac, he wasn't no little bitty boy. And Abram was at least a hundred Are you all listening to me? There was a time I could whip his tail, I could throw him, I could put him on the ground, I could do anything. I can do it now. <laughs> Don't get it twisted. <laughs> I didn't want to plant that seed in his heart. <laughs> the devil is a lie. But I'm just simply saying to deal with my son now 
is different in dealing with him when he was six years old. I can still deal with him, but it's going to be a little effort. And I'm also saying once he discovers that his daddy is going to lay him on altar and sacrifice him as unto God uh, at his age now, he's got options. I might have to run and catch the sacrifice. Are you, you following? I might have a fight with the sacrifice. But Isaac so trusted his daddy. And Abram so trusted his God that if I kill him, the God I serve can raise him up again. So Abraham lays this, get down, lays it, get down. Lays his son. I'm tussling with my sacrifice. He lays his son down. I usually have my knife on, but I don't have it today. He takes his knife. He's going to thrust it into the chest of his baby. Jesus. Jesus. He's going to kill his son because God asked for him. What is it that you haven't killed that God asked for? What Abram didn't know is that while he and his son was walking up on one side of the mountain, God had a ram walking up on the other side. Y'all better help me today. So Abraham got ready to kill his son and an angel from heaven spoke and said, Abraham, Abraham, stay your hand. For now, I know. Can God say that about you? Can God say that about me? Stevie, now I know you love me more than anything. Stay your hand. Abraham unties his son. He gets his baby up. When he gets up because Abraham had taught his son the word by bringing him to church faithfully. It wasn't Abraham, but it was his son who said, Daddy, look over in the thicket. There's a ram in cuckoo, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. You theologians, you can talk to me later, but that ram in the thicket was Jesus. Thank you, son. Mm -hmm. Are you all listening to me today? I said, are you all listening to me today? 
So God, he spared, he spared Abraham's son. How can you spare your son, somebody else's son, and then kill yours? So Abraham, the old covenant, was types and shadows. It was showing us what was coming down through 43 generations. The time was going to come when this act, this scene, was going to happen again. But this time, this son was going to go all the way. Come on, tell three people, I'm going all the way with Jesus. Come on, tell them, I'm going all the way with Jesus. I'm going all the way. No more half-stepping. So since Jesus, listen to me, since Jesus died, that's why it's such an insult not to serve him. You got to be out of your mind not to give the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob the best you have to offer. And some people don't serve him because they're ungrateful. And then there are some who don't serve him like they should because they're ignorant. They really don't know how good God is. Let, let, let me finish this. So all he asks of us, God the Father, all he asks of us in him giving his son is that we would just simply obey him. That's all he asks. He saved us to do his will. And his will is that we would tell others about him that they might be saved as well. I got to close. John 18. I said I got to close. Somebody said, oh, so sorry. It was just one person who said it, so. I'll give you one more chance. I, I got to close. <laughs> Look at John 18. Because a king must have a territory. A king must have something to rule. And the king I'm talking about, he wants to be the ruler over your life. But I do know this. If Jesus is not ruling your life, somebody else is. Are you in John 18? Let's look together at verse 37. Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king? <laughs> and Jesus answered, You said it. You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause, I was born. 
and for this cause I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth, he said, they hear my voice. Boy, this is powerful. Now I close with this. Let's go to Psalms. Man, if you can't shout with this, you got the wrong clothes on. Now remember now, a king must have a territory. They must have something to rule. And a king must be wealthy. Nobody want a poor king. Who want a king that can't help them? I said, who want a king that can't help them? If you can't help me, I don't need you. So a king must be wealthy. Could God have mercy. And a king must be strong. And a king must be decisive. Are you in Psalms chapter 50? Psalms 50? If you're there, say amen. Look at this in verse 10. For every beast of the forest is mine. And the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the mountains. Could God have mercy. And the wild beast of the field. They're all mine. The raccoon's mine. The deer's mine. The cantaloupe's mine. The elephant's mine. The lion's mine. The tiger's mine. The giraffe is mine. The parakeet is mine. The pigeon is mine. The dog is mine. The cat is mine. The fish that you eat is mine. The steak that you cook is mine. It's all mine. And if, look what the king says. If I was hungry, I wouldn't tell you. Man, this king is something else. In other words, the king is saying to you and I, if I needed something, you couldn't help me. But if you need something, I got it. If I were hungry, I would not tell you. For the it's mine. And all its fullness. Oh, you're too quiet. That's the God that you serve. It's all his. The world doesn't belong to President Biden or Mr. Putin. The world belongs to God. The world doesn't belong to Muhammad or Buddha or Joseph Smith. The world belongs to God. 
It's all his. And everything you need, your daddy already own it all. And everything that we enjoy in life, it comes out of what he made. The airplane comes out of the ground. The car comes out of the ground. Your house comes out of the ground. That diamond ring comes out of the ground. Your hair come out of the ground. Your body come out of the ground. This church came out of the ground. The gas in your car came out of the ground. New York City was built on material that came out of the ground. Chiefs Stadium, Kansas City Chiefs, Super Bowl bound. Y'all catch my emphasis? Super Bowl, bam. <laughs> By faith. But it all came out of the ground. Look at somebody. As cute as they think they are, they came from dirt. They came out of the ground. That's why as you get older, you have to fight from bending over. Why? Because where you come from is calling you. The ground, the earth is claiming what belongs to it. That's why whatever goes up, it casts because the earth is calling it back to itself. Yes, that's my king. I wish, I wish today that I could describe him. I wish I could describe my king to you today. Yeah, yeah, I wish I could, buddy. He's, uh, he's undescribable. He's, he's irresistible. He's, he's, uh, he's undeniable. Yeah, that's, that's my king. He's all powerful he's he's yeah that's my king he's he's all knowing yeah I wish I could describe him to you today my king he walks on water he raises the dead I'm talking about my king he heals the sick my king he makes the dead come alive again my king, my king, when you give your life to my king, he can and will transform your life. My king, he can make every crooked road straight. Yeah, my king. And I've lived long enough now not to doubt my king because there's nothing impossible with my king. Yeah, king. Yeah, I call him king, but in reality, he's king of kings. He's, he's Lord of lords. He's, he's God almighty. Mm. Mm. 
Oh, Jesus. My king. He's an irresistible king. He's an undeniable king. He's an all-powerful king. And those who are in him, they become powerful because his power and authority, he delegates it to his children. I want my son to come here again real quick for the third and last time, unless I need a fourth. You all know him, right? I'm just using him as an example. All my sons have experienced this in this city and even when they travel around the country. When they walk in a room, ooh, Jesus. And they ask them, who are you? And he says, I'm the rail. Nothing changes too much. Then they ask him, well, what's your last name? Preach, Negro, preach. And he says, my name is Darrell Howe. And they say, uh, Howe? Out there by Worlds of Fun? Oh, well, come on in, sit down. What do you need? When they find out his last name, everything changes. No, no, I'm not there, but my name is there. My name is there in my son. And so they stopped treating him like Darrell. And they start treating him like a help. When they look at Darrell, they stop just seeing Darrell, they see me. Preach, boy, preach. When you're born again, you got to stop telling people just your first name. You need to tell them about whose family you really are a part of. And when they know that you belong to the king, they'll start treating you not like you, but like the king. Because even though Jesus is not there, you are his representative in the earth. Thank you, son. I got a whole lot more, but I need to stop right here. Every head bow, every eye closed, because somebody needs to give their lives to Jesus. Because without him, there is no life at all. And I'm telling you that you just didn't come to church today. And however you came under duress, it was God's providential destiny for you today. Because, hear me, you can't hear what you heard today 
about Jesus and then walk out of these doors still telling him no. If you do, I don't want to go out the same door with you because you'll be on dangerous territory. Thank you for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give generously and make this ministry outreach possible. Click the link in the description to give now or visit hcio.org slash podcast for more information. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Even tag us on social media at Harvest Church KC. Thanks again for listening.